love that. The North Star Shield is headed to the island as Pacific FC or your 2021 Canadian Premier League champions. The BC base side ruined the three-peat and become the first non-forge winners of the trophy. We'll talk about that on today's show. My name is Mitchell Tierney. This is Waking Red Weekly presented by Footy Talks. We'll also chat some Toronto FC roster news and some shocking developments to be frank in, in terms of their former management staff. But uh, <laughs> all about the Canadian Premier League this week. And we'll have not one, but two guests to help us look back at the season that was from CanPL.ca. Benedict Rhodes and Charlie O'Connor Clark will join us in about 10 minutes or so. But it's also, as always, about Jeffrey Pinesker and Michael's thing. How are you boys doing this week? I like that yeah. part. I've been better. <laughs> hey, boys, it's, it's a little holiday edition of Wake in the Red Weekly. Um, we got, you know, some of our, our fellow Wake in the Red members joining the show, as, as Mitch touched on. And I'm excited, boys. It's holiday season. Let's get it. Yep, yep. Crack up Just don't call off. it silly season because it's not. You can't do it yet. I've been told. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a fun event. It was nice to see... Uh, uh, Tim Hortons field that busy. Um, gotta say, it was it was packed, and there was all kinds of all kinds of fun weather, which was also really interesting. Um, first time I've had their Reuben sandwich, and I gotta tell you, it was magnifique. Uh, Alicia and I eat split a half, and it was like steaming. You know, when you get a mm. fresh hot sandwich and at the ground, and it's cold enough outside that it's just like it looks like it's on fire, and it's extra delicious that way. Well, I can I can report that it was extra delicious that way. Yeah. Well, yeah, I had Schwartz's at the Bell Center one time, so let me tell you, oh. it will never ever oh. get better than that. Every every Reuben sandwich was ruined for me immediately after that. So. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. All sandwiches are second play second fiddle to Schwartz's, but yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, what was your what was your weekend like, fellas? Like, how did you how did you ingest all the wonderful Cansock content over the weekend? It wasn't just yeah. off for me. It was I got I had some MLS Cup playoffs to watch, which was true enough. Pretty pretty riveting, especially considering the Philadelphia Union situation, where half their team was freaking missing. Yeah. that is what it is, I guess. And you know, disappointing result there on their end. Um, also, mm-hmm. Portland advancing to the final and ruining Jeff's dream New York City FC home MLS Cup final at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> But it hasn't ruined my uh, my mine and, and Justin Morrow's prediction of uh, a New York City football club uh, MLS Cup victory yet. So it's true, you got there you got to go. hold on like for we that. Said, yeah. They didn't have to play Toronto this year, so their path is pretty much clear. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't even go. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no that 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 final on Sunday that was a good way to sort of summarize and wrap up the weekend. Um, I thought. You know, both sides they played some good football, which is is very all. It's always nice to see, especially considering the conditions. Um, whenever the conditions are like that, it takes a lot more skill to obviously um, look at the place. And I think you know, in particular, I think Kyle Becker was was fantastic on on the day. Like he controlled hmm. that midfield. Uh, obviously, didn't get that that breakthrough or that that one goal that they they desperately yeah. wanted. But I thought he was he was great and. I keep seeing him evolve every year as a player. So he, he was one player in particular that caught my eye and um, credit to Forge, man. Like I, I tweeted this out, but I, I love that, that, uh, sorry, credit to Pacific. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Screw <Yep>. that. No, <laughs> um, no, but seriously, credit to Pacific. Uh, I love that they won. Uh, as I, I tweeted out, like if we saw Forge win again, 
the narrative becomes a little boring, in my opinion. Like the three wow. narrative is, it becomes you know next season just like okay, when's Forge gonna win again? Now we have a little bit more of a storyline, and this is how you build the league: is you you develop those rivalries. Next time, you know, Pacific goes against Forge, we have this this more attractive storyline as opposed to, you know, next time Pacific plays Forge, oh, it's just another team that that Forge beat in the final. Yep. Um, so I love it, and I want to see. I'm already. I mean, honestly, I'm looking forward to next season because I I want to see this league continue to grow. You ever watch the Bundesliga, Mike? <laughs> honestly, <laughs> unless Bayern or Borussia Dortmund's playing. Not really. <laughs> yeah. That is fair. Yeah, no, it's it definitely was good for the the competitive balance of the league that uh, someone who is not Forge uh, won the final. I think certainly Forge were probably the better team in in that game. I mean, they controlled most of the play. They had a lot of decent chances. Um, but yeah, like you said, huge credit to to Pacific FC for the way they went out there and played a near perfect road game. I mean, defensively they were really solid. Lucas Magnon yeah. is a really, really good player. Oh yeah, he's um, a baller, absolutely. Incredibly mm-hmm. impressed with what he was able to do with the back line. And I was very impressed by their midfield as well. I mean, Jamar Dixon, Manny Aparicio, like Forge have the best midfield in the Canadian Premier League. I don't think there's any question about that. But Pacific were able to match them on the day and they were able to do that through for the most part, just good work rate. And I mean, Manny Aparizio was running around like crazy that entire like a game. Like chicken without his head. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was crazy. It was and crazy. Uh, and that caused Forge a lot of problems. I mean, he, he pressed literally everyone on the ball. So very impressive performance from him. Very impressive. No pun intended. Well. <laughs> <laughs> he pressed everywhere. It was yeah. a very impressive performance. Nice. I like it. I like yeah. it. You're the you're the bard of Cansaw. <laughs> um yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it was uh, it was a bit disappointing, and I would have been just fine with them doing the three peat. So, would my wall behind me? I would have been just fine with it. Um, surprise, but, you surprise. know. <laughs> but uh, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Uh, it, it really did look like the amount of uh, of of games caught up with uh, caught up with the team from from Hamilton. They were so leggy out there. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know it. it it, it had to happen eventually, right? We all, I, I was holding out hope that we'd get angry Forge after the Conca capitulation, but uh, we didn't. It, I think they just ran out of gas. And, uh, you know, we've got our, we've got both of our, uh, our guests here. So, you know, maybe can, I, we should... can I just say before mm-hmm. we bring on my favorite, I sure. don't have a comment on this. My favorite part of the game was definitely when both managers were going at it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you could hear every <laughs> word too. That was amazing. Yeah. 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 Easily yep, my favorite part of the game. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, let's bring on uh let's bring on the lads. All right. Never done this before, so let's see let's see <laughs> yeah. what happens to Charlie. All right, there we go. Wow, we're all teeny tiny. I love it. I love it. Welcome to our Wake in the Red holiday hangout. <laughs> What's up, guys? Present. What's going on, boys? Wow. So good to see you guys. I just watched you this morning on on your own podcast. So uh, I'm gonna we're gonna try to not ask you the exact same questions, but you know it's very very limited considering we're all talking about a, a singular moment in time. Uh, yeah, how's it going? How have you recovered yet? No, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm still not done. There's just there's so much stuff going on. It was a great weekend though, eh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I know, I know you. Uh, you managed to talk yourself out of finishing your podcast and, and, and at the same time booked a new quiz section for yourself. So you're not I quite know. quite done yet. Looking forward to the quiz. 
as always. Uh, Mitch, you want to get us started? Sure, yeah. I don't think we actually introduced them, but now trying to... Oh, well, I mean, get it, get us properly started. <laughs> the lads. Yeah, this on. is what... This the is lads, they need no show. introduction. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Joined by Charlie O'Connor Clark and Benedict Rhodes of CanPL.ca. Um, yeah, I guess just in general, guys, thoughts on what was a very entertaining final. I mean, you get the weather, you get uh, chippy performance from both sides, you get a bit of a fight at the end. I mean, it was everything we've come to expect from Canadian soccer at this point, and you know, it, obviously, maybe you would have liked a few more goals, a few more signature moments, but you can't say that that final didn't deliver, I don't think. Yeah, I think, well, I, I, unless you're a Forge fan and or you're Jeff, you don't come away <laughs> from that. You don't come away from that being disappointed, right? <laughs> like, I, I think it was it was a really just great day. The, the event was fun. I mean, the weather didn't look great to be outside, but it made the pictures look a lot cooler i think under the lights mm. uh and you could just see how much that meant to pacific fc to win that game and you know to have that moment even on the road just with that group that's that's been together a little while under under pamaduka their coach for a couple of years now and for that to kind of culminate in this big championship you know coming in with a chip on their shoulder against the two-time champions it really was just a great a great storyline and the game itself was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, obviously Forge did some really cool things. They played some really great football in the first half, especially. Uh, but you know, it's, it's all the credit, all the credit is due to Pacific because to get a clean sheet at Tim Horton's field at all, ever in any game is really difficult, but to do that in a final in a knockout game, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. And also having an under 21 Canadian from BC scoring the winning goal as well. Of course, that's, that's what this league's all about. And, and uh, Alessandro Jabbour after the game said it was the best moment of his life. And it, you felt by the look at his face, he meant it as well. And, and uh, yeah, it was just a very special day for everyone involved with that club. I mean, he was a zygote last week, so it's pretty easy to qualify <laughs> that it's the best moment of his life. There haven't been that many point. moments in it. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> of the three moments, this was my favorite. Um, guys, make, make me feel better about Forge losing. This is this is what we brought you here for. Like, uh, you know, what was what was was it down to one tactical mistake? Was it just simply their the the miles caught up to them? Was it that Pacific wanted it more? You know, what was I, it? Uh, it's hard to it's hard to really break that down. I think Forge were very very good, as I said in that first half. Right, they had some unbelievable chances. The the passing was just work of art at times i'm thinking of like kyle becker back heels to the oh yeah the overlapping run like just stuff that makes you like breathe really sharply at your nose man <laughs> uh, press then... box? yeah yeah no, is no that allowed press box. no cheering <laughs> in the press box but you know you can mm. you can exhale you can, very you can exhale the very very loud you do yeah. it for both teams then you're fine <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But Forge had all of these all these great attacking moves in the, in the attacking third and, and all these little passes and intricate build-up play, but it, it didn't come off, right? I think it was... They ended the game with, like, 16 shots. I think the shots were, like, 16 to 6 in total. But mm-hmm. Forge only put two of them on target, right? And they were both in the first half. And I think one of them was actually, like, Kyle Becker's really long-distance free kick, which is directly into the goalkeeper's arms. So... I think really the credit is down to Pacific's defending and just kind of organization at the back there to keep them out of the final most dangerous areas. 
because they knew going into that game that they would have to suffer a little bit. They'd bend, mm-hmm. you know, Forge would be all over them for a long time in that game. And really all they had to do was just make sure that they didn't get that final touch in a box, like make sure that everybody's got their marker, everything's you know, set. And then their mindset was just like, we'll get that one chance. And if we yeah. score that, then we're good to go. And that's pretty much exactly what happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to me because I, I asked you and KJ this on your, on your pregame show, I actually thought that there would be a bit of a a bit of a weird vibe in the locker room with the news of of Pamudika's uh, uh, being so close to the FC Dallas job, so being being leaked so close to the final. Again, not a professional athlete, but you have to consider that that creates a bit of a weird vibe in the locker room, right? Knowing that your coach kind of has one foot out the door, and I would and and then you saw them. I mean. Everybody knows the way to beat Forge on paper is to press the hell out of them, but this seemed like a lot more of a def- of a resolute defensive kind of kind of way to beat Forge. So it was just it was it was really in terms of stories and narratives, it's mouth watering. Like you guys have yeah. lots and lots and lots of three reasons why articles to write, Ben. Lots and lots of them. <laughs> I uh... the three reasons why. And there were Lucas McNaughton, Thomas Mayer, Jaguar, and Caden Chung with the three reasons why. <laughs> nice, yeah, nice. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. I, uh, I I just wanted to say on that point, Jeff, that I think in general with the Canadian Premier League, like I think all of these guys recognize that like this is a league that's more so than anything like a showcase for for a lot of these guys. Like they there's there's no question like Bustos and guys like Aparitsu have talked about how they want to move to that next level. So I don't think they would begrudge their coach by any means for for wanting to do the same. I think it's pretty clear that Pamaduka at some point here is going to get a job at, you know, a higher level, be that yeah, MLS absolutely. or he's, he's talked to, about wanting to coach uh, his national team as well. Like, I think, I think there's, yeah, I think within the dressing room, like everyone would fully understand and support that. So I don't think there's the Do same. You? Well, yeah, I well, just building off that, like was, we had a similar situation in major league soccer where Jim Curtin's <laughs> name was linked endlessly to FC Cincinnati over the past two weeks. Sure. Um, FC Cincinnati obviously wanting a coach. They have ties there with uh, the current, I think, sporting director there. Yeah, they scooped him or, from from Philly, and he, and he immediately like yeah. yeah. Um, and Jim Curtin came out, and he actually had to address the locker room, where he he hmm. told reporters that he had to you know just set the rock and straight like this is this is where I want to be. This is you know the rumors are going to happen because we're doing so well. And I think that that same applies to Pamadouka, and that's that's really a testament to where the the, the league's going. And mm-hmm. now leagues mls teams i think you know even bigger teams are going to start taking notice of of managers in the canadian premier league and that sort of kind of segues into my question for you guys charlie and ben is is do you think that's a reality like at what point do you think we're going to start to see coaches maybe even players make that jump to higher levels and including like mls or other teams overseas yeah well it has to be coming right i think the players like from a player perspective it it speaks for itself. You know, we've had a few kind of move on, but still, I think the only one that's really, you know, made that jump properly, in my opinion, is, is Joel Waterman. Um, but I think there's there's definitely more coming. There's a lot, of, now that we've actually got two real seasons in the books, because, you know, the, the Island Games in 2020, 10, 11 games, <laughs> it was awesome. And, and I'm really, really happy that we got that, but it's not a full season. You don't make judgments on players based on that, right? But now that we have a full season and, absolutely like mls teams for sure are watching these games there are lots of players that you know have have at least received calls from from teams overseas like there there are people watching 
And so from the player perspective, that's always been a very open part of this project, right? I think I think anybody within a league that you ask, they'll they they'd say that it would be a disappointment if you know young players came to the CPL expecting to stay here forever, right? Mm. That's that's never been the point of it. But I think the coaching perspective is basically the same thing, and maybe not part that we talk about as much. But yeah, like there's. The, the thing about the CPL is there are currently eight pro coaching jobs that didn't exist three years ago yeah. right in Canada. And it's, it's the same thing. Like these, these coaches are showing that they can develop players into professionals and they can, you know, put together teams that actually win on the pitch. Right. Cause it's one thing to coach an Academy team or a, you know, an under 20 team at, at the national level or something like that. That's great. You're developing players, but to show that you can develop these players while also winning football games and showing what you can do tactically and what you can do, you know, in a locker room. I think it does go a long way to elevating the profile of these coaches who, yes, absolutely. Most of them probably do want these higher profile jobs to move on to whether it's MLS or overseas or whatever that is. Let me, uh, let me follow up quickly. So we, we know about, you know, Bobby Sperniotis, we know about Pamaduka, who are some other names, maybe players that you think, but could potentially make the jump. Like, who are you watching out for that we could see in MLS maybe even next season? Let's get some Benny thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Benedict, thoughts. Do, you have, yeah. do you have any shouts here? I mentioned three of them just now. I think all three of them are in the back line. Um, that's a whole show. That's Benny's only content. Yeah, Benny wrote down three <laughs> things in his notes, so that's what he's sticking to. Uh, <laughs> on every team, I think that could make the jump. Didi and Abzi, I think, is, is a big one. Could Good be, shout. Like, for yeah, one of the three show. MLS teams as early as next season, I think. I think he's ready. Uh, you look at on, on Forge, I think Tristan Borges, if he's not back with Forge next year on, on loan again or maybe permanently, I think he could have a place somewhere, whether it's MLS or back with Leuven or wherever. And Max Ferrari, there's players on every team, I think, who can make that jump. Imre Didich is another one who's, who's been in talks with the Whitecaps before, uh, as, as you know. And uh, yeah, there's definitely players on every team, especially in, in defensive positions, I think, that uh, could definitely make the jump to MLS or, or overseas right now. Yeah, I, just to, to agree with that, I think there are a few profiles of players in the CPL right now that can make that jump. I mean, I think there's a lot of defenders in the CPL that could probably get there. I mean, I know that, you know, that's kind of an area where MLS well, teams especially, uh, MLS teams especially, they, they look for value there, right? Like that's, that's a, a part of your <laughs> roster where you need, you need, you're not going to spend, you know, the DP money if you're smart, right? That's a good point. <laughs> you're, lo- you're looking for value. And I think there's plenty of, especially Canadian defenders in this league that can provide that. And just, with skill sets that are like that you don't teach, right? There's this tall defender like Amir Didich, yep. <laughs> who is also who's also good with his feet and good on a set piece. That's so that's somebody to look at. And then there's other profiles of, you know, players that maybe had a sniff at MLS and fell out of the picture, and now they've come to the CPL and kind of shown what they can do when they take over. Like for for instance, I think that if Marco Bustos had played a full season, hadn't gotten those injuries in the middle of the year. Yep. I would have been fairly surprised if he'd come back to the CPL. Yep, absolutely. Just based on how he was playing, especially in the first couple months of the season, he was on a complete different level. But uh, I, I, he's maybe one of the older ones in that area. Cause I think he's he's twenty five, twenty six now. Uh, so I think where where these are really going to come is going to be the younger guys, and so maybe 22, 21 year olds who have played a year or two in the league. And if Pacific right. has lots of them who just won a championship, right? Taryn Campbell. Alessandro Hajabrapar, even even Matthew Baldissimo, who didn't play a whole lot this year, but Good you know, show. the white the white caps know who his brother is, right? <laughs> they actually know who all these guys are, but yeah, like yeah. <laughs> these better. are these are the younger players that have shown that 
you know, even at their age, they know how to play professionally. And now they've shown that they know how to win. And I think I really think that does go a long way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We have a question from the uh, rogues gallery and uh, it's a good one. <laughs> it is now that we have the experts on, when will the CPL be going to one piece Cameroonian style kits? <laughs> oh, would sleeveless be more realistic? <laughs> is that Ryan? Is that Ryan? Yeah. yeah. Who's Ryan? I have no idea. What, what Ryan? It's <laughs> just some, some anonymous comment from the internet. Sign me uh, up. Yeah. Yeah, I, indeed. Yeah. I would, I would go for a sleeveless kit. Like a, mm-hmm. like an Aussie rules football style kind of oh, kit. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. The Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what I think what the final needed in that freezing rain was sleeveless kits. That definitely would have ended well. <laughs> there are definitely the players weather. out there. There are definitely players out there that would have gone for it as well. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, you know there, are those, there, is, there are those kinds of football players who just they, they go into the coldest possible game, go into the coldest possible game, and they're like, okay, what is like how do I look? The hardest here, Alistair right? Johnson. Like, Alistair Johnson <laughs> yeah. in the short yeah. in Edmonton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but there wouldn't be any available because Mitch would have just stolen them. All. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you wouldn't. Them he'd, he'd, he'd buy them all exactly. But be like, you want one? It's a triple markup. Um, I have a question. Uh, what's the thing you'll most remember about this past season, and uh, what's the thing you're most looking forward to next season? Ooh. Okay, I'll, I can go first. What the thing that I'm most going to remember from this season is probably going to be, you know, that that maybe September part of the season where we're right in the thick of everything and there's just games every week. Like there's Canadian Championship games every other week. There's Forge playing in the Concacaf League at that time, and just kind of looking at the league table there, and I can see there's like actual games in it, and I'm like, this is this is cool. Like these teams are are catching up to one another. And there's an actual kind of fight going on here. And I was nice. just looking, looking at that, kind of knowing that the next couple of months were going to be so cool. And then obviously they did happen and they were cool yeah. and they were lots of fun. And there was <laughs> there were playoff races and then, you know, playoff games that were really just a lot of fun. And I just remember kind of looking at the table in, in mid-September being like, man, this is, this is going to be great. And, <laughs> and it was. But uh, as for next year, I'm excited for just it just it to feel more normal i'm excited to start the season in mm-hmm. stadiums and not in a bubble and to hopefully start the season not at the end of june so you can you know stretch things out more and and just to to feel like it's it's just a full on everything's good to go you know this is a this is a, a normal season you know we're going to have hopefully fans coming back into the stands more and more next year as, as mm-hmm. these clubs like kind of take root in their communities it's just going to be great to you know get back up to to where we should be and i think that's the biggest thing is like we you started off in in, in winnipeg there in, in that bubble let's call it and then we began to sort of return to a, a normal i guess with with fans in the stands and as you mentioned like the heated playoff race with games like every week like for me that that's going to be the biggest thing and i i'm echoing like what you're saying charlie is that we did kind of return to that sense of normalcy and yeah i think that was huge for the the, the, the league as a whole because as you mentioned, the Island games are great, but it wasn't it wasn't what this league aspired to be when it first set out. So I'm excited to see which trajectory kind of we, we go forward. Benny, we already know what your answer is. It's those three players once again. Everything from this year has to be the Canadian Championship. I think uh seeing seeing Pacific, they've been waiting three years for that white caps game, and they finally got it. Oh, they beat yeah. them, and then went toe-to-toe with TFC, maybe, maybe should have beat them. 
Come uh, Ford. on. Nah. <laughs> Ford should have won. Ford, yeah. Ford should absolutely sure. should have won. Yeah, yeah, uh, that I agree with. So seeing, seeing that these CPL teams are legit is, is just a sort of a pretty cool thing, I think, and uh, will only be good for Canadian soccer going forward. And as for next year, as Charlie said, just a, a full regular season. I think towards the end of the year, we started to see tired legs and, and started yeah. to see some players you, maybe you and coaches all it. sort of fatigued. And if you have a, see a full season from April or whatever it will be to to uh, to November or December, I think that that's what you want to see. You want to see a full year where everyone's at, at their best and can reach their best. And I think uh, with, a, with a full year next year, the CPL will only continue to improve in quality as well. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you you take us right call back to a to another comment, which is because people want to throw asterisks. I mean, people just throwing asterisks everywhere, right? Well, you know, Forge had tired legs because they played this many more games, and 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 we had a comment right off the top, and you circled back to it. So good on you for the segue. But um, Boomslang CA said Forge may have suffered from the travel too, but as Ollie Platt said, it's the price of success to have schedules like that. So you know, oh, yeah. as we work towards the next year where hopefully it won't be as condensed a schedule and, and there'll be less of an inclination to throw asterisks at everything. I think that's what I'm most looking forward to personally. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, that's absolutely right. I mean, Forge played 40 games this year in six months, not even that, which is Craziness. just, just crazy. But again, yeah, they, they only played that many games because they kept winning in their exactly. knockout competitions. Right. And like every time you would ask Bobby Smirniotis, for example, he'd be like, yeah, I mean, we're not, we can't complain about that. That's what we want. Like every time they go into one of these knockout ties, they say, our schedule has been really busy, but man, we want it to be even busier. Right. And if they'd, if they'd won in Honduras uh, last Wednesday, they would be, I think they'd be in Guatemala next week (laughs) playing in the final. And that's my goodness. That's exactly what, they want and you know like yeah. really after being without football for so long during the pandemic you can't really take it for granted right you, like it's awesome well we're finding that out right now that there's this this huge hole in all of our souls because there's no more football <laughs> and we've know. been living in like a in like a football wonderland it's like mm, content just somebody kick a ball at me or something I so i can <laughs> so i can feel alive again like my goodness my goodness. Uh, uh, Mitch, you, you had a question that we sort of glossed over, but you should probably ask because it's a good one. Sure, yeah. I guess with the, the season wrapping up, we're now into award season. And this is an interesting one because I do think, like you said, the the condensed and up and down season played a big role in this where it looked at the beginning of the year, like you said, where Marco Bustos was probably running away with away the MVP with award, but then he misses a big chunk of the season and isn't one of the three players nominated, uh, that being Uel Morelli. Uh, Taryn Campbell and last year's MVP Kyle Becker. So we'll start with you, Benny. Who have you got as the uh, as the CanPL MVP this year? I'm not even sure if I get a vote, but if I do, it's going to go to Taryn Campbell. I think he was just nice. sensational all season. Now is this is this most valuable game. player or whatever the whatever the 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 other uh, uh, player uh, of the year? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Most most valuable, it's no question, John Morelli. But uh, for best best season, I think it, it has to be Taryn Campbell. I think he's. He was, he was very impressive. I think he scored a lot of goals, scored a lot of assists. He played all but one game, I think, and and played a number of positions as well as Bustos was out and Diaz was out and and uh, just kind of did it all for Pacific, I think, in, in the best attack in the league. Yeah, it's it's a really tough one because I think there is a good case for all three of them, right? Uh, Kyle Becker is, you know, it, 
if he's if he's not on anybody's you know top two players in the league, then that's a wrong list, an objectively <laughs> bad list, <laughs> right? Um, and I mean, he's he's always consistent. He's always there. He's I remember he was fantastic even in the bubble when Forge were just getting their legs under them. Like they came out yeah. of that bubble four and four, but he'd been fantastic every game. But I, I mean, Joao Merli again. I think. You know, I, we can talk about the penalties he scored and how many goals he scored against Ottawa, but I mean, I, I know it, we're not we're saying it's not an MVP award, but if he's not there, then Halifax might finish bottom of the table, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think the way that he kind of carried that team this year offensively in the attack was was pretty impressive. So I, I might I might be talking myself into into Joao being pretty deserving of that award. <laughs> it's funny watching the gears working right yeah. now. I mean, obviously, Mistas Polo is my most valuable Polo. So there we yes. go. Yes, no, yeah. I, absolutely yeah. unquestionable. Yeah. Is that one of the awards? Unqu- <laughs> most valuable Polo MVP? Yeah. In Jeff's goes mind. to Mista. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which was your favorite of KJ's uh, sideline interviews? Was it was it the the pa embrace or was it uh, um, what was it? I think it was Manny, and then immediately just hooting and hollering the second that KJ said we're done here, and it's like in the background. They were all great. They I were liked those. I good. liked uh, I liked Lucas McNaughton trying to figure out how to use the disposable camera. Right, right, uh, right. Apparently, apparently it was Johnny Dos Santos on the other side of the camera, and he had no idea what that was. He'd never seen one in his life. That so, is uh, that is that's, horrifying. That's there. Also, I'm sure that they're never developing those pictures because you can't get champagne into those things, right? Like it's it's not no, a good no. idea. It's, it's so. there to it's there to kind of flash and and be part just part be part of the experience. But it's all yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. I mean, no, most, of, a- most of those players, like even at the time, they're saying that like, this is the first time they've won anything, right? They, they've even even the older one. I don't think Jamar Dixon said he'd ever won a championship before, and he's what 32, 33 at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, they just they were all they were all you know just losing their minds. They were speechless, yeah, but their they mind. were still yeah, be amazing. Uh, I actually I I was pretty impressed with even Marco Bustos's sideline interview after the game there because he didn't play in that yep. game uh you know he the the toughest part of that season was done with him on the sidelines with his teammates and he you know despite being a star in the league he you know was was fully a part of that group and he was very happy for them and just so happy just to be there and watch them do that in front of him fabulous fabulous uh what what team do you think is poised to level up best next season and uh what team do you are you worried about regressing level up like who's going to take the biggest step forward mm-hmm. um it's i don't know the there's specific fc <laughs> there's there's a few shots because there's a, like there's probably again a case to be made for pretty much every team i'm gonna i'm gonna say edmonton because there's mm-hmm. some of the other teams that were lower to the bottom we don't really know you know what they're even going to look like next year or what direction they're going to go. I think Edmonton started a project this year and, you know, at times they, they had a tough season. They had a very, very tough season, but they had moments where they played some awesome football, you know, Easton Ongaro, despite not being, you know, the prettiest (laughs) when it comes to the goals (laughs) he scores, but they uh, all count. They all count. And he's extremely effective. Hmm. And over, over three years in the CPL, he's been, the most efficient goal scorer. 
uh, and they but they've got great players at every part of the pitch and you know alan koch the coach who came in just for this season started a project and he understood completely that they were probably not going to be contenders in his first year there and mm -hmm. he you know the all year beat the same drum that it's a work in progress and i think we did see that progress towards the end of the season and i'm pretty interested to see if they pick up right what they left off when they start the next year uh i don't know who i i don't know if there's anybody that i think is gonna like fall back or that i'm worried about i mean halifax has a lot to work out they need to find out how to score from uh, more than one player <laughs> that's important that's it's that's really important. important yeah yeah uh, cavalry lost some some key pieces eh? like mo farson yeah. for example that yeah, was cavalry's a... an interesting one too because this is i guess three years now that they've come very close exactly and been one of the best regular season teams and just not gotten over that final hump so i'm interested to see if you know what because there are several directions you can go there right you can you know blow it up and try something else or you can just you can stick to your guns that have got you so close you know like even this year literal inches right yep. yeah <laughs> that we're not even sure of <laughs> that way, like, play have, to the whistle play oh, to the whistle my goodness absolutely yeah. always play yeah. to the whistle that's that's yeah yeah you can't you cannot complain about that really but uh yeah I, but it's it's just that they were so close so you know do yeah. you do you run it back and and try with the, the same sort of thing obviously some different personnel or, or do you go a different direction? It's they're going to be a fascinating team as well this off season. It's fascinating. Danny, who it, you got uh, for, for the, the biggest jump? I'm going to go for York United. I think they looked really good this year. And, and also they've got a lot of these young players who now have one extra year of professional experience under their belts. Like the likes of Isaiah Johnson is already one of the best midfielders in the league this year, I think. And, and he's going to have one more year of experience and he's a pretty big fan base in, in York already growing. And, Max Ferrari looks like looks like a great player, and depends on who they can bring back. If they bring Didi Nabzi back as well, of course, they'll be a favorite to do it again, or they replace it, see who they bring in. But uh, with a couple of minor improvements, maybe a couple of extra veterans in that team, I think that they're going to be a team that, could, that will contend, if, especially if there's a four-team playoff again. Then they'll definitely be in that conversation and uh, near the top for sure. What do you mean again? The fourteen playoff is fantastic. What do you? Oh, how is this? Playoff, how is this a debate? What are, yeah. <laughs> no, the fourteen playoff stays. It's absolutely terrific. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. York, York needs a coach first. That is also mm -hmm. interesting to watch. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I genuinely any, have no idea. Uh no, no exclusives. You can't tell us. Uh, that it's I, gonna I be Danny genuinely Dickio have or... no clue. Genuinely we'll have no clue. We'll talk after the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Place your bet. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, yeah. I'm... Oh, no, go ahead. No, no, I'm, I've, I've exhausted my list of questions. <laughs> okay, Mike, do you have, anything, uh, you have anything else for these guys? Do I have anything else? Yeah. Um. Honestly, no. I think we covered a lot of, of the Premier League, the Canadian Premier League. And again, like, just touching well, on. Let's ask him TFC questions. <laughs> hey, that's that's right in my But Canadian Premier League side, like, or like, just wrapping up the Canadian Premier League side of this show, like, again, just echoing what I said earlier, I think it was a fantastic year for the league. Um, obviously, there still is a lot more to be done, and I know there's plans to, to kind of get to where this league wants to be. But that being said, like, we're three years into this league, and for us to be here, sitting here talking about a top flight Canadian professional soccer league is something I didn't think we I'd be able to do 
10 years ago, yeah. even less. Right. Yeah. So just all the credit to the game Premier League and, and how far they've come. And, you know, as I mentioned, like now there's storylines, there's more and more storylines now that we have more years to go off of. I'm really looking forward to that Pacific Forge matchup next season and kind of seeing where both of these teams are at. I'm, I'm looking forward to what Cavalry does and how are they going to, you know, change directions or, you know, say the path as Charlie said, York United, as Benny alluded to, like, this is a team that I know has high ambitions that haven't been able to reach it as yet, but they have a lot of a lot of pieces that are in place that could potentially take them over the top. There's just a lot of a lot of exciting things to watch. I know the league's going to continue to grow, so um, I love that we're here, man. That's that's sort of my summarizing thoughts on this. It's very well put. I mean, Great the question, fact that. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um. Uh. And that's it. I mean, obviously, the Canada versus USA match is going to be busier by consequence of the Americans. We have a question from the from the galley, and it was who do who do they think will have more attendance attendees at Tim Hortons Field, CPL final or Canada versus USA? Uh, I think yeah. that's a fair. <laughs> I think we can. I, I think we could probably yeah. answer that one with pretty yeah. pretty yeah. you know clear confidence. It's the Canada. But game. I mean, but Tim Hortons Field was. Pardon? Say, just good luck getting tickets to that game. Exactly. That's going to be hard to yeah. get tickets to. It's going to be hard. Yeah. I love it. I, that's how yeah. it should be. Yeah. It's going to be impossible to park, man. I, I suggest yes. you know, leaving your car at home and, and, and finding alternate ways to get to Walk Tim Hortons Field because, yeah, yeah. A system <laughs> right, of catapults and nets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you get to Arby's, give me a call. I'll meet you there. We'll have <laughs> some lunch. It'll be fantastic. Um, Sponsored by Yeah. Us. Yeah. Pardon? Sponsored by Arby's now. Yep, yeah, I, I wish. I wish. I wish so hard. That would be fantastic. That's all I've ever wanted. Next year. Next year, boy. Um, no, I to echo Mike's sentiment, it's it's terrific. I mean, watching this league grow, you know, having the the inside scoop by consequence of, of you fine gentlemen, uh, is just been just been terrific. And and the fact that two of the three years have been pandemic years is is I mean, it's such a testament, uh, you know, and and of course, the league's going in myriad different directions. MLS is, what, 25-something years old, and it's still going in a million different directions. <laughs> I mean, they're still they're still figuring out whatever their pathway is. Uh, so, you know, it's only – it's it, it's just been from strength to strength. And 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 this year in Cansoc, you know, with the, the two the, – the sort of double whammy of, of the league being so excellent and the CanChamp Voyagers Cup also being so excellent, it's it's been incredible. It really has, you know. Um, I'm still a little sore about the result, but I can't deny that it's good for the league. I can't. You can't. Um, yeah, I mean, sure. it's good. You have it's good for my right wall. You have every right to be sore. You're, <laughs> yeah. you're a yeah. Forge fan, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. yeah absolutely. We love it. That's what the league wants, man. They want to create I mean, that we can't. We can't oh. all be best friends with each other, you know? Eventually, but eventually I'll tell you, teams are going to start disliking each other. <laughs> you're very good at this, Charlie, because I'll tell you something. At the outset to the game, uh, a couple of lakeside boys in full regalia. I mean, the, the flags came to Barton Street Battalion section to have some handshakes before the game action happened. You know, good game, everybody. It was fabulous. And then after the game, it was the same sort of thing. There was a, a general a general feeling of camaraderie. You know, there there was a bit of a bit of sour grapes, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, a Thunderdome, right? Like that. That's the beauty of this league, you know. Who's to say in ten years we all won't be <laughs> hand rags in front of the in front of the in front of the ground? But but right now, you know, we all seem to be getting along pretty well. So 
that's another that's another wonderful aspect of the league. Now let's talk about TFC. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can maybe let the, these guys go before we do that. I don't know if they want to debate sure. the merits of the Julian Dunn loan deal or whatever we might be talking about for the next half hour on this show. So is that all you've got? Yeah, I think we'll. Uh, I think we'll let uh, let Benny and Chaz go, but thank you so much, boys, for, for coming guys, on. Thank it's been you. awesome. It's always a pleasure, Awesome, guys. awesome time. Always. Cheers, Benny. Yeah, thanks, boys. Cheers, Chaz. Absolutely. All right, let's get them out of here. Oh, Charlie, stick around. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Wait, there's a Julian Dunn loan deal? Yeah, yeah. What's wow. this about I mean, Julian there's, Dunn? There's rumors about it, certainly. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, rumors. <laughs> so what do we want to talk about first? Uh, Chris Armis to, to Glory Glory? Let's do it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, uh, last week on the show, um, you know, you guys had Mike Newell on and he did an incredible job and, you know, made me wonder if I would even be, you know, invited back and I kind of, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no kidding. And I thought about maybe just putting in my resignation because it looks like if you do that, you know, maybe I'd be hosting Jimmy Fallon now or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let, let's talk about where, where everybody's ended up. I mean, we talked about this on the, on the show a couple of weeks ago that Ali Curtis yeah. has wanted to be part of an MLS development project for a while. And he gets that job with the MLS next pro. Um, I'm assuming to lead the league, not playing it, but, uh, he, yeah, I, I mean, that's a good exciting role for, for him, obviously. And, and we're, I think pretty happy to, to see him land on his feet there. But the, the big kind of surprising news, of course, is former Toronto FC coach, Chris Armis tied to Manchester United. <laughs> I mean, Mike, you've got to have some thoughts on this, man. <laughs> well, as a United fan. Okay, I have two different, I have two separate changes of thoughts of this. As a United fan, no offense, to Chris Armas, could they have not gotten someone better? <laughs> like, I mean, this is Manchester United we're talking about. Um, Chris Armas is is a fantastic human being. Um, always, you know, he was generous with his time. He he, he took the time to you know as straightforward as he could answer questions that were pressed to him obviously during some really tough times um and by all accounts from everything i've heard within the toronto FC dressing room he was he was he was well liked like he was everyone in, in you know the, i gotta <laughs> the yeah there goes my credibility i uh, know yeah, yeah. for the most part though uh he he was well liked um aside from obviously a, a few rifts that were well publicized um he was also like I remember talking to someone on Toronto FC and they told me like the difference between him and Greg Manny was, was Chris Armis was more of like a best friend. You could always go to about anything. Whereas Vanny, you couldn't really approach him, but you knew that he knew his stuff. Yeah. So like it, it was a different type of relationship that they had. Now as assistant coach. Don't you my, want a guy like Armis? Mm-hmm. You want that. You want, yeah. Cause like the head coach is someone you're kind of always, I think you sh- they should know the game, like the ins and outs. I think they should always have a plan. They should you should always be able to trust their their theory, but they're not necessarily supposed to be there to support your your needs, support your your whatever adversary adversaries sure. you're going through. Yeah, right. That, the number two is a hype man, basically. For that. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you disagree with the head coach, for example, you know, you can turn to an assistant coach and be like, "Hey, this is like what the hell?" Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you just have that yeah. relationship with someone, and I think Armis is kind of that guy for that type of role. Um, 
I think he's better suited as an assistant coach as, as opposed to a, a head coach. Um, I know a lot of people have made that point already, but I, I wholeheartedly agree just based on his his track record here and especially the things I'm hearing about him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand why the appointment was made. Ralph Regnick, you know, he's, he's a Red Bulls, he's a Red Bulls guy. Both of them work together at the New York Red Bulls. They all, yep. they come from the same philosophy uh, and style of play. So he wanted someone who did that. And then also know that there wasn't that many available options at this time of the year. You know, Regnick was quite open about that where he said that, a lot of the people that he would have wanted to bring in have already have long-term contracts with. Great, as great way to start your career at Man United. Yeah, he was the best of what's left in a public press conference. Like, great, yeah. great way, great way to, to to come in with all the confidence in the world. And yeah, so he essentially said, like, we have to be smart about the decisions we make and make sure we we'd be smart about bringing in the right people. So you know, this Welcome is Chris Armas. <laughs> yeah, we've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. But that being said, like, it's an assistant coaching job. It's not, you know, you still have Mike Phelan there, who is the brains behind all honestly like a lot of the operations that go down at manchester united in terms of their their tactics and everything like that so you still have like a lot of quality coaches it's just adding another another piece into that environment and i think it'll i hope it'll play out the way that you know ragnick's kind of expecting it to and i think chris armis is is a good voice to have in the room I don't necessarily think he's the guy to to sort of lead lead the charge. So that's that's sort of my thoughts there. So hopefully this works out. You know, Graham is saying something really interesting. Like obviously, Chris Armas. My theory is that he got the TFC job because there wasn't a lot of proper candidates around, and it seems to be a theme in his career. I, you know, this Red Bulls thing. Do you think that the that Red Bull Global is putting way too much emphasis on? the Red Bull way. I mean, it's still soccer, right? Like it's not so profoundly different that like it's got to, it, they can only hire from like this tiny little pool of people that have been versed in the Red Bull way. Like, it's not like they're putting 20 people out on the field and they're all standing upside down. Right. So there's a part of me that wonders if they're not putting too much emphasis on that. And I just at the end of the day, amazing branding. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I just yeah, think yeah, yeah. amazing branding. I mean, th- there's a lot of people that play the Red Bull way. Um, right, exactly, exactly. I, I agree with you. So, you know, obviously, let, let's preface this with, of course, it's who you know. It's in any industry, it's it's very often not what you know; it's who you know. But I feel like maybe Red Bull Global is aside, like they're leaning a bit too heavy into this branding thing, and they're starting to they're starting to maybe believe their own their own BS, right? Because there there's not a necessity for your assistant coach to be versed in the Red Bull way. Like, there's no to me, other than the fact that maybe they have some personal relationships that they that they want to exploit, which is fine, you know, the high press isn't isn't <laughs> isn't isn't the most you know uh, uh, extreme uh, uh, tactical wrinkle in in world football. So it just seems like they're they're almost deliberately limiting who they hire in a in a really arbitrary way, and um, you know. I mean, those are buzzwords, Jeff. Like, there's a lot more that goes into the tactics. Sure. This, this, also, this also isn't a Red Bull team either. Well, <laughs> yeah. 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 I just, yeah, Red Bull, yeah. Red Bull of Manchester. Yeah, Red Bull of Manchester. 2026 or something. Um, I mean, it also, it also, listen, you know, Bob Bradley said PKs instead of penalties and got chased out of Swansea, right? Jesse Marsh maybe didn't get the fairest shake at RB Leipzig. Uh, Leipzig because of his accent. Here comes Chris Armas, 
you know, carrying his big bag of, 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 of asterisks. I don't want to say failure. Failure is too strong a word. But here comes Chris Armas with all this baggage into a environment that's already predisposed to, 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 to dismiss him out of hand, right? Like this could set back Americans in the prem in positions of coaching another decade. I don't think he's going to have that much of an impact. Like, I don't think it's, you know, win or lose, like the success falls on Chris Armas's shoulders or, you know, the blame, whatever you want to call it, falls on Chris Armas's shoulders. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I think Ralph Rangman is kind of the, the, the face of that image. Obviously, if something happens and Chris Armas gets dismissed and the rest of the coaching staff stays in place, then... Sure, you can take that hit on his kind of reputation, but this is just an assistant coaching job, albeit at Manchester right. United. Exactly. Um, which, is, which is my other kind of like train of thought on this, which is I think this is fantastic for Toronto FC. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to hear this. Let's go. Well, I, I just think it's it's great publicity for the team, right? Now you have yeah. someone who is who is part of your club, and you know the last manager, his last job was Toronto FC, mm -hmm. and now you you just hear everywhere Toronto FC. You know, in Manchester, I just think it's it's really good publicity that's, for the club. That's a good show. That, that it's a global, show. Global stage. That being said, of you know, course, it's, it's always followed with he left Toronto FC after they got beaten seven one by DC United, go. which was I was going to say dig a little deeper. Yeah, Wayne Rooney's yeah. yeah. of like <laughs> Wayne Rooney's DC United. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of like a double edged sword there, where yeah, you get the publicity, but at the same time, that publicity is like. Yeah, but TFC sucked last season, so yeah. I mean, all press is good press, so it's still it's still a good show, you know. Toronto FC's name on the lips of a bunch of 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 manx that you know want to want to boil Chris Armas alive is in about two weeks is probably going to be uh, an interesting knock on effect for for our club. Um, yeah, no, Ronaldo's not coming to TFC. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the deal. It was Chris Armas for Ronaldo, wasn't? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um, exactly. Um, so next up, also, do we know what this, it's too early to know what MLS next, next, next is all about, right? Like, I do know that that CF Montreal isn't participating, which I thought was interesting. Um, I think I can do my and, best to dumb it down. Um, but, okay, so so explain to me why why it, we don't care that, that CF Montreal and Nashville aren't participating. Why we don't care? Yeah. Because or, the league's just starting, and there's a lot of other teams. Okay. That we're, not, we're not a Montreal or, or Nashville-based show. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I shouldn't have. Maybe I shouldn't have interrupted you. Explain what we were going to do before I started. No, I was going to dumb down the league as, yeah. as a whole to, to everyone who kind of just doesn't. Yeah. Doesn't to me. Like, just say me. Mm -hmm. um, so essentially, MLS Next Pro is it's a long-awaited MLS Second League, a reserves league, essentially. Where now, instead of having your reserve, like a Toronto FC2, for example, compete in USL League One or USL Championship and have all the MLS Academy teams, let's call it, spread out, now you have an MLS like run league that actually has a structured system with mostly teams, 20 out of 21 teams, all coming from MLS Academies. Um, and of course, that Jamie Vardy bought Rochester. Rochester Reiner. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, New York team, yeah. which was also, I think, a formal MLS team as well. So, um, I think it's it's fantastic because now there's there's a clear pathway. Um, now Rest there's, there's USL. That, you know, instead of Toronto FC two facing, I don't know, like Chattanooga, for example. Now you're going to be facing New York Red Bulls two or New England Revolution two on a daily basis or whatever sure. weekly basis, whatever it is. Um, and now there's there's that clear path because you have MLS Next, which which was 
really the ground roots of this whole operation, which is an academy league. So like your younger league, like U13, U15, U whatever it is, yeah. U17, yeah. you have like an MLS-based league there. And now the next step is MLS Next Pro, which is your reserves league. And then you have MLS. So there's that clear right. pathway. And I think it's great for, for the infrastructure of the game. I know in the past, you know, MLS has tried a bunch of different things in this sort of field, but nothing was clear cut as this. And now you have some actual buy-in from the rest of the, the MLS teams. And hey, I, as I mentioned, like there's a lot of talent in this country as we've uncovered. There's a lot of talent in, in the U.S. as they've uncovered. And I think there's just a lot more opportunity now for players coming through to actually put in a professional environment on home soil, which I, in my opinion, is, is great for the game. And I'm excited to see where this goes. I dig it. I dig it. I mean, just from a, on a selfish basis, right? We just we just decided that we'd rather play at USL League One level as opposed to USL Championship. And now they're reorganizing all the teams that were in the USL Championship with the with the USL League One team. So we're suddenly going to be at a different level again, um, which may but, which may have consequences. But uh, that's good, though. Of- that's good. Because now everyone, you, you want to be like, you can want to measure yourself up against a, MLS Academies. Or MLS teams, as opposed quiet, to up against like like four or five different teams. What do you yeah. think, Mitch? Well, what I would say is, uh, at least at the academy level, Toronto FC's always done very, very well against other MLS academies. I mean, they won a couple of years ago at the the youth level, and they've always done pretty well at the the GA <laughs> level. So, I do think this will probably be good for the club, and and like Mike said, like a good chance to measure themselves against their contemporaries, really. Um, you know, we, we've point. seen we've seen them in USL Championship and how difficult that was for a lot of these guys. Like, you know, you want them to play in in a professional environment, and that's good. But it's not necessarily good when you're trotting out like a youth team against yeah, and getting just seasoned pros. We've like, seen, yeah. yeah, this has been a just a sports, I think, tried and true thing. Like, we know Slovakia tried to have an under twenty team in their like Slovakian pro league, and they just get like trounced every game by <laughs> by grown men, and like it was not. It was not the development pathway that yeah, I thought it would yeah. be. So <laughs> I think that I think that this will unquestionably be good be good for Toronto FC's young players, and I think probably good for the league. And again, just having that league branding on it, I do think makes it a little bit more interesting. Where <laughs> you mentioned the branding, yeah, that's the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah, no, that logo is is atrocious. Oh, I don't, it's, it's, I don't necessarily yeah. mean the the like MLS next branding. I just mean the no, no, I know, I know. We'll, we'll I, see yeah. Toronto FC two play more recognizable teams no offense to you know all those teams that forward madison yeah i mean well, they're I pretty forward recognizable madison. yeah <laughs> I, know, I know you do shout out to forward madison yeah. all right uh roster yeah. releases that's yeah. that's next step Absolutely. uh omar omar was was a foregone conclusion like mm-hmm. uh has there been a has he done anything publicly like a goodbye post yet no so i want to say like i mean tfc did their publicly goodbye post to, to all of those guys so um i don't know i don't i personally don't think there's a there's a way back for omar because you know i think he would be a good mls veteran as aka like Lawrence simon's kind of that role that he played for the for the, the club um i think he's he's a good locker room guy but he's clearly not the level that he was when he was first brought in here and i don't think there's a way that they can bring him back at a, at a, at a fee that i think is is not an insult to him i guess um mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, sayonara, I guess Omar Gonzalez, and thank you for for 2019 and, and a good 2022. Yeah, let's now, go back through through all of these. I think just to to set the stage, like sure. I know you guys last week on the show did your 
your roster rundown and pretty close, honestly, I think to, to what Toronto FC ended up deciding. So mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, uh, that's uh, most of these moves were, were pretty obvious, but Toronto did pick up the options on Quinton Westberg, Aro Jr., Jonathan Osorio, Noble Akello, Jacob Schaffelberg. You should see how I spelt that on my rundown here. <laughs> it is so off. Um, mm-hmm. and, and my autocorrect mix, mixes up the E and the L. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, yeah like, mine yeah, used to yeah. do that. And thankfully, mm-hmm. I don't know. Now there's an A before the H anyway. Um, oh, no. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, Chara as well. That back. Um, no yeah, real surprises yeah. there, I don't think, other than maybe Westberg, but. Um, I don't think it's necessarily bad that they're keeping around. They also decline options on Gonzalez, as we mentioned, Eric Zavaleta, Rocco Romeo, Patrick Mullins, and Kevin Silva. And then those out of contract, Io Akinola, Julian Dunn, Liam Frazier, Nick DeLeon, Subasa Endo, and Erickson Gallardo. I think pretty clear. Well, we know DeLeon's not coming back. Mm-hmm. Erickson Gallardo's not coming back. Um, the other players are in contact with Toronto FC, and we'll we'll see what uh, happens there. Zavs was a surprise. Zavs? Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think it was a surprise. Well, because he's he's at a his contract's at, at a decent clip. Uh, you know, it's not it's not league minimum, but I thought he he gave good value for for what we were paying for him. So it was it was a bit of a surprise. Uh, re-signing Westberg was I also a surprise. Disagree. Yeah, I just think there's <laughs> other options that I mean we mentioned I don't know, like or I don't know if we fully mentioned, but like there's I think Canadian Premier League players who are on that same level could step into that role. I mean, among, let, let's not forget that we have an entire global world of soccer that players can step into there. But like, I do think there's other players that if they aren't as good as Zavaleta now, like have the potential to be better. And I do think there's even maybe some of those guys in the TFC system. So at Ooh. some point, you know, you, you have to take a chance on, on some, on like some different options, just some different voices, some different players in that room. And when when Zavalada was brought back this year, like one of the things I remember from Ali Curtis saying is, this was a huge year for him. This was a year where where Zavalada had to essentially make or break, mm-hmm. and yeah. I don't think he did enough this year to convince anyone that he could hang in, in Major League Soccer anymore. Huh. You know, that there was, was that for some reason with El Salvador, he was great. But... Yeah, yeah, put him in an El Salvador kit and just <laughs> yeah, you know, watch him. Um, but yeah, 2016, 2017. You know, Zavs was absolutely outstanding for us. Um, he helped us straight up to, the, to that MLS Cup, and um, yeah, always thank him for that. But at the same time, like we have, as as the narrative is around Toronto FC right now, it's it's time to cut ties with, with the yeah, past. Yeah, no looking there. back. There's yeah, no yeah. yeah, you're. It's not about what you did for us. It's about what you're going to do for us. And I don't think Zavaleta really moved the needle there. Jeff, you mentioned Westberg, and I'm curious to see. Yeah. As to why that's well, because it well, because of what you just said, you know, there's no looking back, there's only looking forward, right? And and Westberg's got maybe a year, two years left in him in in to diminish capacity at a relatively expensive rate. It just seems like you know, we we were brutal with the Zavs of the world, but but the Westbergs seem somehow got a free pass, and maybe it's it's Westberg isn't that far removed from having two outstanding seasons at Toronto Mm -hmm. FC, and then this season we know. He had COVID. His family mm-hmm. contracted COVID. Um, there's obviously those issues with with Alex Bono and and you know getting the consistent playing time. And then also, yeah, he did. He did not have a, a great season, but he also didn't get the most opportunity to prove himself in front of a good team. Like yep. the team in front of him was absolutely terrible. So like, I don't know. I don't think we can make that judgment uh, on Q, especially if you consider his salary. Like it's not a lot. 
he's not getting paid more than what 300k he's not getting paid more than that which is yeah. not not a lot it's still 300k though I j- it just it just it struck me as odd because i i honestly did expect them to clean house and on goalkeeper and and like just start fresh so yeah that's hard to do though like i do think q's a pretty perfect guy where if and i agreed with the points made last week like these guys are proven commodities in MLS and like they will have a couple of years still where they can be solid. And I don't think either of them were the the problem this year. So, you know, it's, if you're, if you're, and we know Bill Manning's thoughts on like roster turnover, like this is not a guy who likes to have his roster, like completely overhauled. Mm-hmm. Um, they used to have a rule within Toronto FC. I think it was the rule of, I want to say 12 or something like that, where like 12 of the top, 15 to 17 players in terms of minutes last year, like we're supposed to be brought back just because they like that consistency. Obviously after a year like this, you know, you make yeah. exceptions to that rule because yeah, you throw that you know, rule yeah, in the garbage. Yeah. You don't, uh, you don't want those guys back, but this is a guy who likes consistency with a, within his roster. So if something's not completely broke as I don't think it is in goal, like why, like that, that's just another headache where you have to bring in another goalkeeper. And we know both Q and Bono are, decent to solid MLS goalkeepers. Like, I don't think that uh, they necessarily need to make a big change there. Fair point. Fair point. Uh, two questions from the gallery. The first is, are we surprised by how many people want uh, Tsubasa Endo back? I'm not. I mean, we, we voiced this on our show last week. I, I think Tsubasa Endo would be a very useful piece here. Um, I think every time over the last two years, at least when he was brought into the, the 11, like he added something this team didn't have. Yep. And that was someone who can run through lines and play in between lines. And, you know, I think he's been very unlucky injury-wise. And he's still, what, 27 years old. So I think he, he mm-hmm. is a quality piece. And, you know, I think every good MLS team needs depth and proven players who can play at MLS. And I think Subasa kind of fills that void. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the last one from Yvonne was directly to you, Mike. Are you surprised that Kevin Silva was let go? Uh, not surprised. You know, I was voicing that the team did like him and I knew that they did like him. Um, but that being said, like, I don't think he, he did anything yet. Like I mentioned, he was a couple years away. So I don't think they did anything yet to kind of really feel like he could be thrown in goal if like an injury, you know, a couple injuries happened to Bono and Westberg. So I'm not surprised that they let him go. I think he was a little bit older too. He was, a, uh, he wasn't a homegrown player as well. So you didn't get that roster relief from him. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's a couple things working against him, and I don't think he also had the best season. So, um, not surprised, disappointed, sure, but it's I'm not going to sleep over over you know Kevin Silva's departure. God, we're getting so good at these segues. Are we going to lose sleep over these Io Akinola rumors? Oh my God, I might. I just might. You know, we I I heard that his contract was expiring early in the year, and it kind of just like fell to the back of my mind after the injury because I figured yeah, he kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I figured that like you know after the knee injury then this contract situation is going to come a lot easier because I figured okay Toronto FC are going to rehab him um, you know he'll sign whatever a next a one year extension potentially get his yep. knee rehabbed and you can kind of revisit this entire situation again next season but that doesn't sound like it's the case and it sounds like Io Akinola wants to make the move over to Europe you know, sooner rather than later. Um, I know he does want to go to Europe and that's always been his ambition. Josie Altor has, you know, voiced that he wants IO to go to Europe and he wants him to develop certain skills that'll help him succeed in Europe. He has to go on to to bigger club to, you know, really fulfill those ambitions. No offense. Not Sunderland. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know, there's there's a lot of interest in IO too. Like there there's clubs from a lot of different places that even before the injury that were very interested in him. So I'm, I'm wondering what the best decision for him is. Does he shine, sign a short-term deal here at TFC and then kind of revisit that? And I think I, I tweeted this out, but one of the issues is TFC don't have that track record of getting those players over to Europe. Mm-hmm. And they have they have the opposite right now, which is yep. they're they want those guys to be Toronto FC players. Um, I mean, I, I have a lot. I get the ambition. And I, I, as a fan, you know, I think you kind of want to hear that from your club. Mm-hmm. You want to hear the best, you know, and you want your club to be the best it can be. Those are, those are play. You never want to kind of lose a player. But from the other side of the coin, so that we've talked about quite often is if you're not showing that blueprint of, listen, like every young player coming through Toronto FC right now, they don't want to be Toronto FC lifers. No. They want to go on to bigger and better things, which, you know, the reality is with the constraints that MLS has imposed, you're always going to have something that's bigger and better than what Toronto FC is. So if those guys have those ambitions and they tell you that when they sign here, how, how you got to show them a pathway to get there mm-hmm. because you're going to start to lose some of these young players that are coming up. And in Iowa, Canola could be the first of, of a couple of, of young guys that, have aspirations, but that don't have a blueprint to get there. So uh, let's keep a close eye on, on that kind of situation, how that plays out. Yeah, a couple yeah. of points on this. One, I like Toronto FC has been a team that obviously has had goal scoring issues, not just this past year, but even the year before when they were um, second in, in the Sporter Shield standings, like goals did not come easy. Iowa Canola has been probably the one player when healthy who's been able to consistently score. So you have to at least consider that from a Toronto FC perspective. Like they, they should do everything they can to bring this guy back, even if it's for a couple of years. I know there's obviously the the point of him going to Europe. Um, I did want to mention Julian Dunn because same boat. I, I, pardon. Yeah. Same boat. And same I have boat. actually heard that uh, there is a European deal very close for him. And I do wow. think, I don't, I think it might be alone. We'll see what happens, but I do think we're going to be seeing a couple of Canadians follow him over in the next little bit, uh, potentially to the, the same club. So that's wow. that's something to watch out for. Is it Besiktas? No. <laughs> Isn't that no. Norwegian? And why, yeah, and why not? Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it would be uh, the Norwegian the club. Ves- that, Vessel uh, Colbe? Theo Bear. No, Theo Bear yeah. uh, played for this past season. Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Um, the last thing you have is what step does the league need to take forward next year? Um, I think we kind of addressed a, that with Charlie. Yeah. And, uh, and, yeah. and oh, oh, no, that was that was for the KMPL. I thought that was specific to MLS. And my answer mm-hmm. is, who the hell knows? I mean, obviously, they're trying to consolidate all of their, their properties with the MLS next because let's, for, let's not forget that they've, they're renegotiating their media deal, right? And USL mm-hmm. had a totally separate media deal. You got it for free on YouTube in Canada, but in the States, it was, it was a paid property on ESPN plus. Um, so I do think you're going to see a lot of interesting moves behind the scenes with MLS this year, as they try to consolidate their product to make it more attractive for a media deal moving forward. And I think that this, this MLS next pro or whatever the hell they call it is, is just the first, the first in many dominoes that are going to fall. Um, you know, and say what you will, because there's a lot, I have a lot of problems with the single entity system. 
um, you know, it, it, it reared its head with these Iowa rumors, right? Like if, at the end of the day, you know, what happens when he renegotiates and who he's available to renegotiate for the, the level of draconian shenanigans is, 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 is bracing. So, uh, I'm, I'm concerned, but, uh, we'll see what happens with MLS moving forward because they, they do have a product they want to sell that's first and foremost on their minds. And, and all of these moves tend to point to that kind of pre-packaging towards uh, attracting hooking some real big fishes for the next media deal does that mean running shootouts are coming back <laughs> speaking of that we oh. got a we got a big mls cup final on yeah, there, yeah. This, this weekend we're between uh, new york city fc and portland timbers hmm. jeff's new york city jeff and justin's <laughs> new york city fc okay. like like i said before the show to you guys like doesn't even count for new york city fc they didn't have to play pfc it's pretty much <laughs> pretty fast to the, the MLS Cup final for them. Like, talk to me in a year mm-hmm. when TFC is in the playoffs, and we'll see if New York City FC can get by on. <laughs> I love it. I mean, uh, it's a great I, spot to have the final, no question about that. Portland is one of the better MLS stadiums and, and obviously better MLS fan bases. So that's uh, yeah, that'll be great. True enough. They're such a good true playoff. Enough. They're such a oh, good yeah. playoff team. Yeah, they really are. They really are. And they might get Sebastian Blanco back, which is, uh, which is huge. And, and also mm-hmm. having – Having Valeri come off for the last 20 minutes is, is pretty devastating. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting MLS Cup, and you all know that I, I got New York winning it. So there you go. And, David, don't forget, Jeff called it too. So Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Justin Mora. Who's, who's that? I called it. Justin copied me, man. Jumped on my coattails. Jeez. Jeez, jeez. Yeah, I think the I think the issue with that was no one saw the fact that you had that written in your show notes because we did the the thing after I want to say the Justin True. Morrow interview, but no, True. we will vouch for you. He had that pick before Justin Morrow came on our show and, and echoed it. So we gotta give Jeff credit for that. But let's wrap things up here. I I well, Mike let you guys run way too long last week. So <laughs> that's, that's the only thing I'll say for his performance was you guys mm. went so long and we've gone a little bit long this week. Hey, as the people well. loved it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, no question. Now, that episode was was the right one for it. But uh, huge thank you, obviously, to Benny and Chaz for stopping by today. Always and make sure to go read all their great work over the campl.ca. We also have well, a- there's really only one variation. It's just three things about something, and that's the only article. Sorry, Mitch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> look at the look yeah. on his face. I just made him so angry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also have a, a Darby feature with Manny Eparito. He kind of told everyone about his career and, and wrote it out and some of the lessons he's learned. So go check that out as well on DarbyMag.com because that's a that's a decent one and one that I worked on him with. So um, a, a lot of fun doing that. And he has some great stories. Uh, the one in particular about his Canadian men's national team appearance, his lone like one minute on the field for Canada is is unbelievable. You have to go read it. Um, Amazing. But yeah, thank you all for, for watching and listening as always. We love the questions. Um, and yeah, just a few more shows now in 2021. So we're definitely looking forward to wrapping up this year on a high note. But thank you all for your continued support. And I've been Mitchell Tierney on behalf of Jeffrey Pinesca and Michael Singh. Till next Tuesday. Thank you.